Revelation chapter 21. Are you there? Starting with verse number 1. Now, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also, there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself, listen to this wording, God himself will be with them and be their God. And God himself will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. And I'll let somebody insert a good strong hallelujah right there, even though I'm not done. Hey! Verse 5, let me read on. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. <laughs> and he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said to me, verse 6, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who, to him who thirst. Father, we thank you now for your word as we quiet ourselves, Lord, and sit at your feet as it were. We're eager to learn, eager to grow, hungry and thirsty for more of you. Illuminate your word to our hearts. Let us have ears that would hear it and a spirit that would understand it, God. Show us a picture of heaven today. We give you thanks for it and we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. If you were to ask the average man or woman, if you were to ask the average student, boy or girl, Ask a teenager, do you believe in heaven? The majority of the people, at least in the United States of America, they actually do believe in heaven. However, they have a skewed view of heaven. They don't have a real picture of heaven they don't have an accurate understanding of heaven. They believe, most believe, everybody goes to heaven. You just get on any path that you want to, and in fact, you can even live any way that you want to. You can trust in any God that you want to. All paths lead to heaven. And while we're talking about it, all dogs go to heaven. Did you know that? Isn't it funny how we'll talk about heaven? We don't even know much about heaven, do we? We spend most of our time thinking about the here and now and living only for today. When in reality, our life on earth is fleeting. Our life on earth, the Bible says, is like a vapor. It's like steam 
coming off of a boiling pot of water. You see it, and before it can get to the ceiling, it's already dissipated. It's already gone. Here today and gone tomorrow. The Bible says that our life on earth, our lifespan on earth is 70 to 80 years. That's the average lifespan. Now there are some that will live longer. They'll live into their 90s. Perhaps some will even live to be 100 years old. That's God's business. But our life on earth is short at its longest. This has always made clear to me anytime I attend a funeral. This past week, I attended two. One, I was the officiant. Sam Prendez's mother passed away, and he gathered in this very room on Tuesday and had a celebration of her life as a believer in Christ. It was very powerful. Sam, I don't know if you're still here or not, but we continue to pray for you as a church family. There he is. I attended the other. I did not officiate, but Stacy One's father also passed, and they had the privilege of leading him to the Lord days before, weeks perhaps. I'm not sure of the exact time frame, but close to his passing, he prayed a prayer accepting Jesus into his life. And thanks be to God for his mercy. Our life on earth is short. We spend so much time living only for today. But heaven is a place where all those who've chosen to follow Christ, we will live for all eternity. Yet do we even know much about heaven? A few weeks ago I took the time to talk to you about who Jesus is, who Satan is. This is a bit of a follow-up to those two messages. This morning, I want to ask this question, what is heaven? Tonight, I'll ask another question about another place that I have no intention of going to, and I would urge you as strongly as you know how, don't go there. What is hell? Don't miss tonight. It's going to be very insightful and very powerful. If someone were to ask you today, what is heaven? I wonder what your reply might be. As I thought of challenging you with this question, I was automatically challenged, what is heaven? I would answer by saying this, heaven is real. I believe that heaven is an actual real place, not just some far-off place that people talk about, but there's no reality to it. I believe that heaven is real. I would answer by saying I believe that heaven is a place constructed by God. I say that because the Bible says that. If you're going to answer a question to somebody, here's a good thought. Say what the Bible says. <laughs> That's always good. And in order to say what the Bible says, you must know what the Bible says. In order to know what the Bible says, you must actually open the Bible and read the Bible and study the Bible and meditate in the Bible. Hello, come on somebody. I would tell them it's a place constructed by God. 
I would tell them it is a place prepared for God's people. Now, they may want to jump on right there. Oh, well, aren't we all God's people? No, not necessarily. God's people are made up of those who accept God's plan for everlasting life. God's plan for everlasting life is through His Son, Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. That is God's plan. And those who accept God's plan have a place prepared for them called heaven where they can live forever. That's what I would say if someone were to ask me, what is heaven? If you're taking notes, I want, to jot, I want you just to jot down a few simple thoughts today about this amazing place called heaven. First of all, heaven is a place of great splendor. I've had you open your Bible to Revelation chapter 21. We've read verses 1 through 6. Skip down now to verse number 10, and let's read on. We get a great, great, vivid description of this place called heaven, a place of beauty, a place of splendor. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me the great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God. Her light was like a most precious stone, like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. Also, she had a great and high wall with 12 gates and 12 angels at the gates and names written on them which are the names of the twelve tribes of the children of Israel. Three gates on the east, three on the north, three on the south, and three gates on the west. Now the wall of the city had twelve foundations, and on them were the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. And he who talked with me had a gold reed to measure out the city, its gates and its walls. The city is laid out as a square, its length, is as great as its breadth. And he measured the city with his reed, 12,000 furlongs, its length, breadth, and height, all of equal value. Then he measured its walls, 144 cubits, according to the measure of a man, that is, of an angel. The construction of its wall was of jasper, and the city was pure gold, like clear glass. The foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with all kinds of precious stones. The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third chalcedony, the fourth emerald, the fifth sardonyx, the sixth sardius, the seventh crystal, chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth chrysoprase, the eleventh jacinth, the twelfth amethyst, and the twelve gates were twelve pearls. Listen to this. Each individual gate was made of one pearl. And the street of the city, pure gold, like transparent glass. Church, imagine with me today the most beautiful thing you've ever laid your eyes on, on this earth. What does that look like? For me, it looks like a young lady that I saw for the first time when I entered Central Bible College as a freshman student in 1985. I went to the, the uh, 
registrar's office and, and there was this spectacular looking woman way out of my league. I didn't even think I'd have the courage to say hello to her. Little did I know she was studying the same thing I was. And, and by God's grace, God ended up working out that I could not only talk to this beautiful creature, but I could date her. I could ask her to marry me, and she'd say yes. The most beautiful thing I've ever seen is Karen Dupler, who now is my wife. Still, my eyes will never look on another woman as beautiful as Karen. Because God created her for me. And so she is the most beautiful woman ever created in my eyes and in my opinion. I don't know where she's at, but I hope she heard all that. I worked on that hard. Actually, I didn't work on it hard at all. It's the absolute God-honest truth today. The most beautiful of creatures and, and human beings is my wife. My children to me are beautiful. Maybe it's the Grand Canyon. You can't go to the Grand Canyon and not have your jaw drop open. Only God could carve out rock like that and, and a span of distance like that. Maybe it's the ocean crashing in on the shore or the ocean taking in the sun and it, it dips down into the ocean at the, at the end of the day. I don't know what you see when you see God's beauty, but whatever it is, it pales in comparison to this great place of splendor, this land called heaven. You've never seen anything quite like this, and the description here even fails. I believe, church, God has saved His very best in beauty for heaven. I believe there will be things that we have never seen on earth that He has reserved for this place called heaven. Don't miss it. I want to go. How about you? Heaven, secondly, is a place without sorrow. Verse number four. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. So many tears as we journey on earth. So many tears. Because we're immediately thrust into sorrow, aren't we? I'm talking about immediately. How many mothers do I have in the room? You've birthed a child. Let me see your hand. God bless you. God bless you. All the mothers, God bless you. I'm talking about as soon as the baby comes out, that baby is thrust into sorrow because they're out of their nice environment, their, their, their safety, their warmth, their nourishment, and they're into this, this world of sorrow. People poking. People wiping, people, people sticking needles. I mean, just immediately, right? Day one, they're being taking blood and whatever. Start crying right at the beginning. Go through life as a child, you're going to shed some tears. Anybody had anybody ever make fun of them? Maybe make fun of your name. Make fun if you had big teeth. I've got big teeth. They always told me I had horse teeth, you know. Well, at least they're straight. I didn't have to have braces. I don't know. But they always find something. Your name, uh, your hair, or your lack of hair, or your teeth, or your... Who knows? So we grew up. My hardest period of time was that preteen and through the teen years. I lost my mother when I was 14. I did a lot of crying because it was very sorrowful. How about the sorrow of adult life? And you have your dreams and you have your hopes and all at once they're dashed. 
All at once they're crushed. All at once you're laid off and you don't even know how you're going to pay your next bill. That'll make you shed a tear or two. Why? Because we live in a society of sorrow. We live in, uh, on the earth and we're part of the curse. There's the loneliness and pain of growing older. Children leaving, not contacting. Sorrow. Jesus understands this because Isaiah 53 describes him as what? A man of sorrows. Familiar with grief. Acquainted with pain. He understands full well. That's why Jesus had sorrow in Gethsemane. That's why Jesus experienced sorrow and was weeping at the grave of a friend, Lazarus. That's why Jesus understands. He looked out over the city and had compassion. He's filled with that sorrow. But when we get to this land called heaven, there'll be no more sorrow. It's forbidden. It's checked at the gate, if you will. No sorrow is permitted to enter into this land. No more sorrow, no more crying. Heaven, thirdly, is a place without separation. Verse number four, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death. Now, death is a separator. When that person dies, you're completely separated. My mother died on September the 2nd. 1978. And since that time, I've not been able to pick up a phone and call her. I can't get on a plane and go and visit her. My mother has never met my wife. She hasn't had the privilege of seeing her own flesh and blood grandchildren, Elliot and Butler and Daisy. She didn't see me graduate from Central Bible College. She didn't know that I was called into ministry. She's not had the privilege of meeting all of this great church family. Why? Because death separates. Death is a separator. And the last enemy that will be destroyed. I don't know. Can you just bring up? I'm skipping a lot of scriptures up there, Jackie. I know that. But find 1 Corinthians 15, 26. Look at this. The last enemy that will be destroyed, it's death. There's no more death. In heaven, we go, we, we, we decide to follow Christ, we go to heaven, either when we die, just as your mother did. Sam, it was a beautiful, beautiful uh, tribute and celebration of your mother's life. I, I, really, I really felt that she is uh, in heaven. And uh, there's no more dying. Once we get there, we never have to experience someone dying again. Has anybody ever had someone die that you love? The vast majority. There's a few maybe that haven't experienced this yet, but the vast majority, we've experienced somebody dying and the pain of that. But when we get to heaven, there's not going to be any more death, and so there will be no more separation. The final enemy that will be destroyed is death. Point number four, jot it down. Heaven is a place without sickness. I don't know if anybody's ever been sick before. I don't know if anybody's ever experienced pain before, but I want you to hear this in verse number four. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death. 
nor sorrow, nor crying. And look at this right here, the very last part of this. There shall be no more pain. Hallelujah. Oh, I want to bring some good news to somebody today. Norm, there's coming a day and there'll be no more pain. No matter what it is that we face right now, no matter what it is that we carry right now, there's coming a day when there will be no more pain. While we're on earth, we always have to battle sickness. While on earth, we always have to battle disease. But in heaven, we will enjoy perfect health. Hallelujah. There's no colds, nor cancer. There's no arthritis, nor appendicitis. There's no headaches, no heart attacks, there's no glaucoma, there's no gout, there's no shingles, no sinusitis, no multiple sclerosis, no muscular dystrophy, no cerebral palsy, no Parkinson's disease. Hallelujah. I didn't know if I was going to get all that out or not. There's no epilepsy in, in heaven. Hallelujah. There's no macular degeneration in heaven. No kidney failure in heaven. No sugar diabetes is in heaven. Hallelujah. No sickness is allowed in heaven. While we're on earth, we will struggle and suffer in our bodies. That is why I call almost every week. Anybody need prayer? Can we pray for anybody today? Because we go through a world that is full of sorrow. And we battle sickness. There are people in this room right now, even as I speak, you're in some bit of pain. So we're going to keep on praying. As long as we're on earth, we have the privilege of agreeing in prayer and asking the God of heaven to actually give us some of that ability and strength and power and healing while we're on earth. Does anybody believe in the healing power of God? Listen, there's plenty of churches, they just say, we've got to live with this now. And when we get to heaven, we'll be whole. Well, listen, I believe that when we get to heaven, we are going to be whole. But as long as, as, as I have breath, I'm going to keep on anointing. I'm going to keep on laying hands on. I'm going to keep on praying in the name of Jesus that you would be made whole. And I want you to do the same for me. Because he's the God that heals. But in heaven, there will be no more anointing oil. No need for anointing oil. We won't have to lay hands on anybody because everybody is going to enjoy perfect health in heaven because there's no more sickness. No more sickness. All things will be made new, the Bible says. And that includes this body. How many are ready for your new body once you get to heaven, your whole body? Dan, you ready for that, my friend? Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Just one more thought that I wanted to drop into your hearts. Heaven is a place of everlasting living, eternal living with our Savior. Let me go back to verse number three. Pastor Moses comes. I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. Look closely, and he will dwell with them. They shall be his people. God himself will be with them. Wow, wow, wow. God himself will be with them and he will be their God. While Jesus walked the earth, he was the help that the people needed. 
That's why so many flocked to him. He was helping them. He was healing them. Then he says, I'm, I'm leaving. And his disciples are what, like, uh, what? We're just getting used to you. We're believing in you. We've decided to leave everything for you. I left my nets. I left my boats. I left my tax collecting business. Now you're going to leave? You've only been here for three years. I mean, his ministry time with them was really only about a three-year period. Now you're going to leave? We thought you were going to set up a kingdom here. Now we're all confused. Because as long as he was there, he was helping them, living with them on earth. He said, no, I'm leaving, but don't get too anxious. Don't get nervous. I've got to go. But the Father's going to give you another helper. That's when he promised the Holy Spirit. He said, now, don't leave Jerusalem until you receive the Holy Spirit. That's what we're praying for today, by the way. And then in Acts chapter 2, they were in the upper room. Y'all remember this? Holy Spirit was poured out. They were baptized in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit then dwelt with God's people in them, helping, guiding, convicting. Now get this, and I'm thankful for all of this. I'm thankful that the Holy Spirit, while I'm on earth, is helping me every day, dwelling with me. Or didn't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? So he's dwelling, right? When we get to heaven, we have God himself dwelling with us, living with us, abiding with us. I don't know about you, but that living with God living eternally with our Savior what is heaven all about what is heaven all about it's a place of beauty that is beyond our ability to even comprehend a place without sorrow without separation no sickness there. But the best part for me is living eternally with our Savior. I want you to bow your heads all over this room. Listen closely to this verse that I've already read, but I want to reread it. It's Revelation 21.6. They said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. Today, Jesus offers living water to all who thirst. Come to him today. Drink of the living water. Accept him as your Savior and live eternally in heaven.
I know God's spirit has been poured out here in a grand measure today. Great things have happened, but just before I dismiss you, I must ask this once again. Is there even just one that would like to surrender their life to Christ, accepting God's plan for living everlasting in heaven? You would say, pray for me. I want to accept Jesus as my Savior. If that's you, lift your hand and put it right back down. Is there even one? I know many have already recommitted their lives today. us in prayer. I appreciate everybody being here today. I want to invite you back tonight as we talk about the other place that we're not going to. And we want to take as many people with us to heaven as possible. Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you today for your presence in this place. Father, we thank you for the hope, God, that you give us. Father, we thank you that we can keep our eyes fixed on that. Father, we thank you, Lord God, that there will be no more pain, no more sorrow, no more separation, no more tears. And we thank you for that hope, oh God. Father, we thank you for the words that were spoken to us this morning. We pray, Lord God, that we would keep it in our hearts. Lord, we love you and we thank you for your presence in this place, for your transforming presence we've experienced today. We love you and we ask you this. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen.